Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 10th, 2019. My name is Philip Rostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. You're here on a weekend edition of Locked On Magic, so we're going to quickly Recap the Magic's win over the Memphis Grizzlies from Friday and preview tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers. No matter where you're listening to this, whether you're on your way to the game or just catching it, catching up on your feed, this will be a sort of shorter episode to kind of get you caught up with all the goings-on throughout the weekend so we can dive in for a full episode on Monday. So uh, hopefully we'll be a little bit quicker today to get you ready for Sunday's game. Before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering your line, no magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find from someone like me, a local expert who knows their team best. Whether it's the Indiana Pacers on Locked On Pacers, Locked On NBA, or whatever team you're looking for, NFL, NBA, MLB, college, and NHL teams too, you can find a Locked On podcast for you. Just search on search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The Orlando Magic started their game Friday night dominant defensively. And they staked themselves a big lead. That's not too abnormal. The Magic have done that throughout a lot of the season so far. And while they get off to that strong defensive start, the shooting takes a while to come around if it ever does come around, and maybe it never quite does. And so it made sense, or wasn't too surprising, that in the second quarter, the Magic gave that entire lead away. And the Memphis Grizzlies, a spunky young team that still has a lot of growth to do to go through, was able to come back and take a brief lead. Orlando reasserted control before halftime, but it looked like this was going to be another struggle. Orlando's offense went back into a hole. Memphis walled off the paint. They pretty much zoned the Magic and dared them to make shots. The bottom line is the Magic weren't going to win this game unless they made three-pointers. And with two three-pointers early in the third quarter, it finally started to feel like the Magic's offense was about to break through. Evan Fournier scored 10 points in the third quarter, hit two two three-pointers, and all of a sudden, it felt like the ball wasn't stuck anymore. The ball started moving. Orlando actually had 24 assists, the second highest total of the year, and that's a lot of a function of making shots. But the ball moved in and out of the paint quicker. They were able to tear the Grizzlies' defense apart. They were able to get out and transition a little bit with their defense. They were able to hit the second-chance opportunities. They were able to get to the foul line and Orlando's offense, it worked. A 118-86 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. 67 points in the second half. The offense worked. Defense struggled a little bit in that third quarter, but the defense, too, found its footing. And it was the bench that led the way and helped cement the Magic's victory. Orlando outscored Memphis 34-8 in the fourth quarter. It was a distillation of everything this team can be really good at. Their defense stifling and contesting every shot, grabbing every rebound, just being really disciplined and not giving anything easy to the opponent. 
And their offense, able to work off that transition. Orlando had 13 fast break points. They've turned 22, they turned 18 Memphis turnovers into 22 total points. They had 62 points in the paint. They really attacked the glass and 20 second chance points off of 12 offensive rebounds. The Magic also got to the line for 27 free throws, continuing a very promising trend that this team is finding ways to score until their shooting comes around. The shooting did come around a little bit in this game. But the Magic delivered when it mattered most, and they delivered in a devastating way, taking it to a team that is clearly just not on their level. No offense to Memphis. It's the Magic are a playoff team, or want to be a playoff team. And the Grizzlies are a young team with a lot of excitement and a lot of exciting pieces that still have to put the whole thing together. Let's make no mistake about it, they did this against the Grizzlies. Again, no offense to Memphis. Magic's three wins have come against Memphis, New York, and Cleveland, three of the worst teams in the league. So Orlando is beating the teams they should, and this game was encouraging because they did it with offense, 47.3% shooting, only 7 of 28 from beyond the arc. They missed... 11 of the first 12 three-pointers, but they made six three-pointers in the second half, matching Memphis's six three-pointers. And that helped Orlando. That helped, That honestly, it, it helped Orlando accentuate the other positives of their offense and gave them a cushion to make a few mistakes. That Their defense gave them that cushion and their offense did, it, did enough to kind of add to it. The Magic were everywhere at all times and they were the far better team. So let's run through this final box score for you. Orlando's led in scoring by Nikola Vucevic with 23 points, 16 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. This is how the Magic want to play through Vucevic. The last two games have really seen Vucevic work better to establish his post presence. He's gotten both feet in the paint. He's caught the ball on the move, made his moves quickly before the doubles can come, before they can push him out of the paint. Uh, and when he's in operating in the high post, he's not settling for his jumper. He is doing a good job either attacking or keeping the ball moving. And that's really what the Magic need to see. Um, you know, if you're going to run a lot of high post offense, and, and some of that is to kind of loosen the defense and, and shift their alignment so they're not so players aren't driving into into kind of the wall of the defense uh, with a team that doesn't respect outside shooting. Uh, Vucevic just did a really good job, and, and I think he's done a good job establishing his paint presence um, defensively. I, I would I, I know there's still some criticism about his defense, and some of it's warranted. Um, I think Vucevic is. Maybe not setting his line as aggressively as he did last year on his drop coverage, um, and, and I, I kind of use a soccer term for that. I, I do think he, he, the, the strategy is to drop. The Magic want drop coverage. They, they want Vucevic to slink back into the paint, keep contact with his man on the roll, and you know still be in reach to contest uh, the guard. The guard as as the other player as the defender recovers from the pick. Um, I think he's dropping back maybe a hair too far, um, but I will say this. I think Vucevic's defensive understanding has improved that he can make up for that mistake a little bit. Whereas last year, I always felt like you're always on the edge. That that if Vucevic dropped back too far, that gave up too much space. If he pushed up too far, there's always a happy medium. I think there's a little bit more room now. Granted, third quarter, a lot of the offense, a lot of that offense came because Vucevic was dropping too far. So there, there's again, I think he needs to set his line a little bit higher and kind of hold his ground. But he's generally done a good job, I think. Uh, um, defensively in that front, or his has served his responsibility. Is he making a positive play? Is he making a negative? Is he making a positive play or a, a, a super negative play? I won't. I don't think he's doing either there. 
Jonathan Isaac, another efficient 22 points, 9 for 11 shooting, 8 rebounds, 1 steal, and 4 blocks. Set the tone for this game with a block and a steal on the very first uh, possession of the game. He blocked John Morant's layup out of bounds, sent a, you know, sent, sent a statement block out of bounds, like emphatically blocked it out of bounds, then stole the ensuing inbounds pass, um, got the ball back from Aaron Gordon for a layup. And Jonathan Isaac's still not having any offense run for him. He's still collecting a lot of his offense and fast breaks and spot-up opportunities as well as a few cuts. And so the Magic aren't giving him the ball to work off the dribble quite yet, and I, I still think it's a little bit of a weakness in his game. It's something that he's gotten better at, but it's not quite you know ready for, quote-unquote, the show. Um, but teams can't key in on him defensively. So sort of like how I, I would always say, like when Aaron Gordon's scoring a lot of points and he's doing so efficiently, that's usually a good sign that the ball is moving because Gordon really isn't the one to to attack off the dribble as much. Um, you prefer to have him make these kind of plays that Jonathan Isaac's making. So when Isaac has a game like this, it suggests that the ball is moving. Now, the other part of his game is his defense is, he, I mean, he's by far the best defensive player the Magic, is, Magic have on the floor. Um, I, I, some, I, I'm beginning to wonder, and, and I, I, I'll ask my Magic historian friends this, is Jonathan Isaac already the best perimeter defender the Magic have ever had? Um, I, I, I am... I am beginning to think that might already be the case, and I think he's got a lot of room to get a whole lot better. So something to think about as you're watching these games. Like I said, Evan Fournier, a mini hero in this game. 19 points, 7 for 13 shooting, just 2 for 4 from beyond the arc, but those two threes were very, very big. 7 rebounds, 6 assists. A really balanced, solid game from Evan Fournier. The criticism with Evan Fournier has been his tension to attack, attack too much and get kind of tunnel vision. This game, I thought he played a lot more under control. He, his attacks were quick, but under control, and he was able to dish back out or make the next play to, to keep the ball moving, and that's really, really, really important, obviously, for this team. Aaron Gordon, 17 points, 7 for 11 shooting, just a highly efficient game from him. Did a really good job just overall, you know, outside of a few little things, did just just did a really good job overall for, hit, for, the, for them. Um, DJ Augustine, I thought, had his best game for the Magic this season, started to look more like he did last year. 13 points, 5 for 11 shooting. A lot of that coming in the second half. Uh, really keyed the Magic taking real control of this game early in the fourth quarter. Um, and was able to make those in-between floaters and in-between shots that, that he's so good at. So a really nice game from DJ Augustine. Again, Orlando shoots 47.3% from the floor. 7 for 28 from beyond the arc. 23 for 27 from the foul line. 20 second chance points off of 12 offensive rebounds. Magic turned the ball over just 9 times. 24 assists on 44 field goal makes. Uh, and, of course, 10 block shots. Magic with 10 steals and 10 blocks in the game as well. Memphis shoots just 37.2%. 11 for 29 from beyond the arc. So they, they were able to hit some threes a little bit. But Magic forced 18 turnovers. They scored 22 points off the off those turnovers. Uh, and they're able to win this game with, 30, with a 34-8 fourth quarter. Again, I think that bears repeating. A 34-8 fourth quarter. The Magic defeat the Memphis Grizzlies 118-86 to open their homestand. But... Yes, the competition is about to get a little bit tougher. The Indiana Pacers come to the Amway Center at 5-4. They, they're playing some really, some really solid basketball. They've had some great performances from Malcolm Brogdon and TJ Warren. They've got a few more offensive weapons than I think even I anticipated. I mean, obviously without Victor Oladipo, they're down their biggest weapon. But Brogdon has really stepped up at the beginning of the season. Warren has kind of continued what he did in Phoenix. He's added a lot more defense to, to his game. And this Indiana team, as you expect from an Indiana team, both under Nate McMillan and, and, and well before then, 
is they just play with good energy and they play with good intensity all the time. This is a, a, a team that is surprising. Uh, I was definitely lower on the Pacers entering the season, especially without Oladipo. Uh, and they're surprising because they're doing this with a lot of guys injured. Um, rookie Goga Batadze is going through the concussion protocol. Miles Turner will be questionable for Sunday's game with a sprained ankle. Victor Oladipo's obviously out. They've been dealing with this. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, dealt with some injuries. Jeremy Lamb's dealt, dealt with some injuries. He missed Friday. He missed uh, Friday's game against the Detroit Pistons. This is a team that's kind of dealt with the revolving door lineup, and yet their their energy is consistent. They play really opportunistic defense. It's it's not as good as Orlando's defense per se, but they're very opportunistic with how they attack defensively. They're solid. They're they're just tough to break down. And they're going to attack you offensively as well. Try to get into the paint, suck you in, and and, and hit mid-range jumpers and, and hit get you on quick hitters to, to the rim. It is a very, very interesting team because a lot of the makeup of the Pacers offensively is similar to the Magic in a lot of ways. And I didn't even talk about DeMontis Sabonis, who's had a really nice start to the season as well. Their, make, their offensive makeup is similar to the Magic. They're obviously scoring more points. Um, and their offensive rating is a lot better than the Magic's. But Indiana is last in the league in free throw rating. Second to last in the league in three-point field goal makes. So they are a team kind of like Orlando, except they're making shots. They're, they're generating some offense. And, and, and that's going to be one of the interesting parts of this matchup. Is, is what happens with Indiana and their kind of free-flowing offense and their ability to, to create points. What's going to happen when they go up against a defense like Orlando's? That's going to be a real interesting matchup. I, I think Orlando's defense is going to slow them down. Because if Indiana can't get to the foul line and Indiana's not hitting threes, that falls right into the Magic's hands. You look at who the Pacers have. They're starting Sabonis at center. So Nikola Vucevic is going to be dragged away from the basket a little bit. But Orlando feels like it has a matchup advantage everywhere else. So TJ Warren's going to be matched up with Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac. That's, that's a tough matchup for him. And this Pacers team got, you know, they beat the Pistons on Friday, but they've been beat by the Pistons because Andre Drummond is just a beast on the glass. To me, the key to this game is, is really all on the Magic side. If Orlando locks down the glass, they should play good enough defense to pick up a win, to, to, to be competitive. If Orlando doesn't turn the ball over, giving Indiana free, ba- free baskets or free transition opportunities, then Indiana's going to have to go up against that defense, which I think Orlando has the advantage with. If, if Orlando doesn't foul defensively, which has been a little bit of a problem lately, if Orlando doesn't foul then again, Indiana's going to have a tough time, I think, scoring against this defense. And since the Pacers aren't a high three-point team, the Magic can keep pace, pun intended. Since Indiana doesn't hit a lot of three-pointers, Orlando doesn't have to hit a lot of three-pointers. You look back at the the lost Tuesday to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Magic had a minus nine differential on three-pointers. The Magic made three, Oklahoma City made 12, that's 27 points that the Magic just couldn't make up. Magic played a great game, but giving up all those three-pointers with the margin for error so small and not being able to hit three-pointers to keep, to keep pace, that makes it a lot harder to win games. 
Same thing happened the next night in Dallas. Orlando, I think, had a minus five or minus six three-point differential. So again, in a one-point game, 18 points difference, difference on the three-point line. That's not nothing. Indiana and Orlando are both making about eight three-pointers per game. So this game could really come down to who makes their three-pointers. If the Magic, you know, who I think shoot at a much higher volume of three-point shots than Indiana, if the Magic make three-pointers three at a better rate, then they could win this game easily. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Indiana's a good defensive team. They're going to force the Magic to really play better basketball. And yeah, this team isn't Memphis. But the good news for Orlando is they've scored more than 100 points in the last two games. Their offense does seem to be starting to come around. They're starting to find ways and different ways to score that they weren't finding earlier in the season. So I kind of think the Magic are, are coming out of the woods a little bit. They may not be all the way out yet. They're still following the breadcrumb trail back out. But I do think that they're starting to come out of the woods here. And again, they're finding a way to play. They're finding a way that they need to play to win games without the three-point shot. So when that three-pointer does fall, does start to fall, which which I think it will, then I think Orlando is going to be in a much better position. So things to watch out for in this game, the rebounding battle is going to be critical. Orlando cannot give up offensive rebounds. they got to secure possessions and, and get, get going out in transition to beat Indiana. The three-point differential, I think, is going to be very, very key. If it's, It should stay relatively even, but Orlando has to keep pace. Orlando has to make their shots. And then finally, I think the big thing here as well will be turnovers. Who is going to win the turnover battle? Who's going to win the transition battle because of that? This is a team the Magic should feel that they can beat. This is a team the Magic should feel they are at least equal to. And... All things being equal, this is a team that the Magic should feel that they have a chance to win. And something the Magic have struggled with is late game situations and closing out close games. They've lost a lot of those this, this season. This is a big chance on their home floor to get a win against a quality opponent because Indiana's a quality opponent. So we'll see if they can do that. Tip-off is at the Amway Center at 6 o'clock. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll have a full episode back for you tomorrow recapping the Magic's game against the Indiana Pacers, so we'll have plenty more to talk about when it comes to the Magic and the Pacers. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.